back to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 127 and part two in our study of God's guidance as we memorize Psalm 25 together and apply its principles to our lives. This episode, Matthew, is called God Still Wants to Guide You. And Matthew, how is your memorization of the psalm going so far? Well, I'm going to give it a try. I've been making some good progress now. I get a little bit nervous for the recording, but... uh... I'm trying it in the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, if you've got that open there for me to correct me where I go astray. Psalm 25 of David. Lord, I appeal to you. My God, I trust in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Do not let my enemies gloat over me. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and I wait for you all day long. What's the next word? Remember. Ironically enough. (laughs) Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed from antiquity. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. In keeping with your steadfast love, remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright, therefore he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his paths. That's not right. His way. And teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who love his covenant and keep his decrees. How did I do? A couple errors there to correct. Yeah, a couple. Um, I think you said maybe steadfast love where the CSB has faithful love and and then you caught yourself on one there too. But you did uh, you did admirably. Thanks for having the courage to try this in the recording here. Well, it shows, it shows uh, our listeners that uh, we're not perfect at this either. We're still making progress. We hope you're trying along with us. And sure, there's some stumbles but uh, maybe you can all show us up. We're looking forward to hearing your recordings of you coming through Psalm 25 as well. Yeah, absolutely. In the last week's episode, we talked about how the most important thing about getting guidance from God is God himself. We're to turn to him, we're to trust in him and, and want to be like him. And I appreciated that. And I'm building on that today with this conviction from verses 6 to 10. God still wants to guide you. Even if you haven't perfectly followed his guidance up to this point in your life, and I'm sure you haven't, even if you can look back on a time period or an event in life where you know you weren't obedient to God's will, Psalm 25 is teaching you, don't lose hold of this conviction that God still wants to guide you today. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a mercy to have a God like our God, the God of my salvation, as he's called in verse 5. He has saved us. He will save us. He does save us. He saves us from ourselves. Even when we wander from the way a bit, God is still determined to lead us. Mm -hmm. So beloved listeners, don't believe the devil's lie that past mistakes in interpreting or obeying God's will mean that God has turned his back on you. As I have often heard Sandy Higgins say, failure isn't final with God. There's lesson one from Psalm 25 verses six to one. Failure isn't final with God. Listen and learn from David in this psalm. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my acts of rebellion. And verse 8 as well, he shows sinners the way. 
So David is aware and honest about his past failures. He's human, a fallen sinner, just like you and me. So he's not ignorant of that or overlooking that. But still he's confident that he, a sinner, can still appeal to God for guidance. Yeah, because he's appealing to something that predates all of his sins. That's the compassion and the faithful love of the Lord. They have existed from antiquity. So there's two really beautiful and interesting things David does here in verse 6. One, he calls on the Lord to remember his compassion. And two, he reminds the Lord that the Lord has always been like this. It's sort of a funny thing for a person to do, to, to remind God of what God is like. I mean, obviously, God doesn't need us to remind him of anything. For sure. And I think the reason God delights in expressions like this one from David is also twofold. First, it shows that we know what God is like. He has made his ways known to us in the language of verse 4, from his word, possibly from our experience with him as well. And we have personally learned the character of God. So when we say, remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, it shows that we know what God is like. Secondly, it shows our dependence upon God. We have nothing else to appeal to other than his compassion and faithful love. We need to cast ourselves upon God. David actually uses the word remember three times in the two verses, six and seven. Remember, Lord, your compassion. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Then a precious one at the end of verse seven, in keeping with your faithful love, remember me. In his commentary on the Psalms in the What the Bible Teaches series, Jim Flanagan makes a, a beautiful comment on that last reference, remember me. He says, it brings to mind the plea of another, a thief and a robber, who to the same God, only now incarnate and hanging beside him in crucifixion, he cried, Lord, remember me, Luke 23. And he too found the reality of divine compassion in the response of the Savior. I think that's lovely. And here for David, I mean, to whom else can David turn? He appeals to the Lord. This is like your teaching from last week, Mike, that uh, we have to turn back to God. We lift our soul up to God. God can be trusted. And David is demonstrating here that he knows that. Even though he's failed to trust him at times in the past. Yeah, even though he's failed in the past, because failure is not final with God. David is sort of maybe sadly recalling the immaturity of his youth. He's remembering days in which he was maybe a little too wrapped up in himself, days in which he felt a little entitled, perhaps before he realized the debt of gratitude he owed. More than that, there were even actions that were simply willful acts of rebellion. You see, David is like you and me, and he's fighting the feeling of shame associated with past sins. Hey, we've been there. We can look back to a period of life that we just took too much for granted. We can recall times we, we simply blew it, and we know those feelings of shame too well. We're like David. But let's also be like David in how he fights those feelings of shame. He appeals to the character of God. David does remember those sins, but he also knows God can choose not to remember them because of his compassion and his faithful love. Sometimes people think that if they've messed up in their youth or any time in the past, they've lost their way in the will of God and they're just condemned to live the rest of their life outside the will of God as if God's will is, is like a, a trip with a bunch of connecting flights. And if you missed one of those connections or if you got on the wrong plane, then, then you've missed it all and you'll never catch up to God's plan. Away with that thinking, I would say. Uh, of course, you've messed up at times. And yes, there may be consequences to those mistakes. And yes, God will use those mistakes to teach us, but he's not done with us. He's never forced to give you plan B. 
His faithful love will continue to guide you from this day forward. David's a great example of that himself. I mean, think of his sin with Bathsheba, for example. Yes, there were consequences to that sin, but that certainly didn't mean that David could no longer walk in the will of God. Well, this is a good word, Matthew. So failure is not final with God. Of course, we want to confess our sins, but then, brothers and sisters, we need to rejoice in God's gracious forgiveness. Past mistakes don't cut us from being able to walk in the will of God going forward. God still guides sinners. Yeah, and the reason he still guides sinners is that his character never changes. Here is our second lesson today. It is the character of God to lead his people. Verse 8, the Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. I love this point, emphasizing God's character, his covenant faithfulness to his people. Matthew, I know you're moving into verses 8 and 9 now, but I just want to highlight one thing before, before that that goes along with this. Jim Hamilton points out that there's a chiastic structure in verses 6 to 7. So a chiasm is when you have a a structure like ABA, um, where you finish back at where you started. You can think of it maybe as the rings of an onion, where um, if you cross-section an onion, you can see um, the, the left edge corresponding to the right edge and so on as you move into the core of the thing. And, and we have this here in verses 6 to 7 in a way that is like a, a fantastic short summary of God's dealings with men and women. So first in verse 6, you have the compassion and faithful love or steadfast love of the Lord. They have existed from antiquity. That's the starting point. Then in verse 7, you have David's sin. And then at the end of verse 7, David comes back to God's faithful love again. And isn't that the storyline of the Bible? It starts with a good and faithful God. Then man's sin enters, but sin doesn't have the last word. The goodness and faithful love of God do. Mm -hmm. Excellent. It's beautiful. And that reference to faithful love of God is so prominent here. It's there in verse 6 and verse 7 and verse 10. This is the word that the King James Version often translates mercy for that Hebrew word chesed. But most contemporary translations will show it combines the idea of loyalty and love, hence the faithful love of the CSB. And you could say it's the key word of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Remember when Moses asked to see God's glory in Exodus 33. God responds that he will proclaim the name of Yahweh to him. And he does that in Exodus 34. He proclaims his name, the Lord, Yahweh. And he says, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. Mm -hmm. What a revelation. What a, what a way for God to reveal himself. What a God we have. And like you're saying now, it is this abiding character of God that shows us he is determined to lead his people. Yeah, he shows sinners the way. This is what he does. This is the kind of God he is. You might wonder at that. He shows sinners the way? I thought he guides the righteous. Well, that's a point worth developing too, but what David is reminding us of here is that even when we receive a righteousness from God, justification by faith, you could say, we are also still sinners. Now, we've often highlighted on the podcast that it's good to remember who we are in God's eyes in Christ. We are saints. Why is David speaking here of sinners being shown the way? Well, think of the context. David's obviously in a bit of a tough spot. The rest of the psalm bears that out too. And in this rough spot of life where David is feeling a little down and out, 
He knows he needs God's direction, but his sins have come back to his mind. But he's not going to get bogged down in that thinking that says, I wandered from the will of God in the past, so now I'm done for. Or my sins are coming back to haunt me and God's leaving me to my own devices. No. David knows this great thing about our God. He still guides sinners. I mean, that's all God has to work with, right? God's people are sinners that he has redeemed. We are still imperfect and at times wandering sheep, and he is the good shepherd who is determined to lead us in paths of righteousness again. And Matthew, we should clarify. I mean, this isn't the same as choosing to live rebelliously and arrogantly saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter how I live. God's still going to bless me. Of course not. That's, that's like saying, let's sin so that grace may abound. That's an abuse of grace. But Psalm 25 is showing us that when we sense a little revival of the shame of past sins, remember that our sin doesn't get the last word. God's grace does. And if you're looking for some specific direction from the Lord these days, and things seem a little bit cloudy, and you're starting to get discouraged and maybe excessively unhealthily introspective, well, we want to reassure you of God's faithful love today and his commitment to leading his people. And one simple practical point that comes out of this is, is to keep reading your Bible. Do it systematically, not haphazardly, not just a chapter here and then another book the next day and another book the next day and just hoping your eyes will fall on the answer that will you know give the magic direction, but, but be diligent in the word and learning his principles. Don't give up on seeking God's direction because we know God hasn't given up on you. Yeah, it's so easy to get fed up with ourselves at times and think, I'm useless. God can't work with someone like me. There's, there's no point in my asking God for direction because he's not going to want a guy to lose her like me. He shows sinners the way. Bring your sin to God. Appeal to God and his compassion and his faithful love and his goodness and take heart from this scripture. He shows sinners the way. You can come back to the scriptures as Mike has been saying. You can bow your knee to the Lord again and tell him from your heart that you want to be guided in paths of righteousness again. You want to obey his guidance again. Ask him to show you the way. And this text is telling us that he will. That's his very character. Right. But now in the next verse, God identifies a crucial component in our character in this process of knowing God's direction. And it's not a contrast with what we've just been saying. I'd say it's a further development. Yes, we are sinners, but God shows sinners the way. Well, do we really want to know the way? Do we really want to know the will of God? Are we willing to do the will of God? He leads the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Firstly, failure is not final with God. Secondly, it is the character of God to lead his people. Thirdly, humility is vital to our walk with God. When you say that the words of Micah 6 and 8 come to mind, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness. And that's actually the word chesed there. So it's no surprise that that's what the Lord wants from us. I, I think your CSB translates that faithfulness, but it's the next phrase that is coming to my mind now. What does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness or faithfulness and to walk humbly with your God? Walk humbly with your God. Great words, words to live by. So let's take a moment to think about this word humble, because sometimes people talk as if being humble means 
constantly telling yourself and telling others how bad you were, how weak you were, how poor you were at this and how awful you are at that. And you're actually always bringing attention to yourself, maybe looking for other people to disagree with you and tell you you're actually pretty good. That doesn't sound like humility to me. Humility is more of a self-forgetfulness. A humble person is one who doesn't need to prove himself or justify himself because his justification comes from God. A humble person is not self-exalting. He trusts God to exalt him in God's time and God's way. And since this humble person trusts God, he submits to God. And he knows that wherever God leads him, it will be right. God leads the humble in what is right. Humble person listens to God and obeys. It almost sounds to me like you're talking about Christ there, Matthew. Of, of course it does. And listen to these words in Isaiah 66. God says, I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. So the humble person is submissive in spirit and submissive to God's word, and God delights in that humble person. I think of how the Lord delighted in his perfect servant, Jesus, who is the fulfillment of those words concerning Yahweh's servant in Isaiah 50. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. Jesus humbly accepted the Lord's word and direction for him. True humility is vital to our walk with God. When commenting on the psalm, Tim Keller says, How does God guide us? The better question is not how, but whom God guides. More than telling us how to get guidance, God tells us the type of person that he guides. God leads the humble in what is right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. As I recall, uh, Keller also says that we have a bit of a modern fascination with knowing the will of God. And when he says a modern fascination, he means that this wasn't something you read older writers talking about very often, how to find the will of God. And Keller suggests that our fascination with the subject of how to find the will of God is because of our contemporary obsession with control. We want to be in control. So we want to know everything that's going to happen. Or we're more concerned with wanting guidance than we are with wanting the guide. And we touched on this a little bit last week. Yeah, whereas the humble person knows God is in control, she's okay with that. Even if she doesn't know a whole lot about the future, she knows God is with her. In fact, this is J.I. Packer's illustration. Imagine driving to a, you're driving in a new place and you're lost and you see someone who looks like a local, so you stop and ask them, you tell them what you're looking for. They look at your map and they tell you, you know, go up this road and turn right, then go two kilometers and turn left, you'll go around a bend and then take another left, then a right, then another right, and you're clearly looking a bit confused. So the man whom you're asking directions of, he says, you know what, I want to go to that area too. Why don't I just hop in and go with you? Now, better than having guidance with a whole lot of steps about the future is having the guide and just letting him take you turn by turn. You don't know what you're supposed to do two or three or four steps ahead, but you're just humbly trusting the guide to take you step by step. Beloved, the guidance of God is often like that. You're trusting God and you're taking one step of faith at a time. And sometimes the guiding hand of God is easier to trace in retrospect, to be honest. You look back and see that God has been with you, blocking your way at times, opening up the way at other times, one day at a time. 
And through this, you learn to trust God. And that's the big thing. It's the big thing, but it's often not the easy thing. And more than that, some people will think it's a crazy thing, right? Saying you're trusting God, but you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know how he's going to work it out. You don't know how long you're going to wait. There's a lot of things you don't know, but you know God and you know he can be trusted. Mm -hmm. And when you mention some people think it's a crazy thing, it makes me think of another possible sense of this word humble, another connotation that may be implied here as well. Dale Ralph Davis says, the humble may be clobbered and detested in the world, but they are objects of Yahweh's directing care. Alec Matir actually translates the humble as the downtrodden. And that's how it feels at times for some of you, isn't it? Maybe you've declined a relationship proposal because you know you couldn't view it as marrying in the Lord. People thought you were crazy for turning that down. Or you turned down a job offer because of how it would hinder your Christian fellowship and people thought you were crazy and they told you so. Or you stuck it out in a local church because you know God wanted you there. Others sneered at you. It's not easy. But it sure is comforting and strengthening to know the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth. Verse 10. Humble may be clobbered and detested in the world, but they are objects of the Lord's directing care. And I know tough times like that too, Matthew, um, but I will say for the encouragement of our listeners, as we talk about learning to want the guide and not just the guidance, I will say it is out of those times of feeling downtrodden that we really do get to know the guide. Sure. And that sense of relationship that you're highlighting, it's there again in verse 10 as I wrap this up. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. That statement doesn't mean you are perfect. That would fly in the face of earlier things in the psalm. But it's describing someone who is choosing relationship with God. To keep God's covenant in Psalm 25 is to choose relationship with God instead of forsaking God. It's lifting up your soul to God. And we're urging you today, brothers and sisters, to keep lifting up your soul to God, to keep trusting God, to hold to his word, to believe his word, to obey his word, and to lean upon God and his word. That's the humble walk. And you can be confident that God will continue to guide you because it is the character of God to lead his people and failure is not final with God. Excellent. Thank you, Matthew, for taking us through these verses. Verses 6 to 10 are probably my favorite verses in this psalm. And uh, I think you've helped us see why they can be so precious to us. And we're going to turn now to the next five verses in the psalm, everyone. So this is verses 11 to 15. And uh, would really encourage you and know that we're praying <clears throat> for you that you'll have helped to work on these verses and memorize them. Of course, even if you're not memorizing these verses, we hope to see you again next week in the episode because we're going to continue to talk about getting guidance from God and how he does that, how, how God goes about guiding us through life. So tune in next week. We hope to see you then. Thanks very much for listening today. May the Lord bless you all. Well.